Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 27 of Wild, Messy, Infinite Love. This episode is called A Meditation on Hereness, <laughs> um, which is kind of a bizarre title because this is sort of an abnormal podcast. So normally when I come to you for a podcast, I will either essentially write out a sermon, write down some of my thoughts and talk for a while, or I'll have someone else on the podcast and I'll interview them and have them talk about themselves and their thoughts for a while. Uh, but this one is going to be a little different. This one's probably going to end up being a little shorter. Um, there is going to be a little bit of me talking about my thoughts for a while. Um, but then primarily, this episode is a resource for you, the listener, uh, particularly in this time of crisis, in this time of pandemic, uh, where it's easy to feel detached from the world around you. It's easy to feel detached from your life. It's easy to feel like you're losing all grounding or footing in the world. Um, it feels like you are completely adrift at sea. And it's hard to be present in the moment because there's so much fear and anxiety around what's going on and what might come in the future and the fear of the unknown and all this kind of stuff, which are all normal ways of feeling, normal emotions um, that absolutely should be witnessed to and validated 100%. But this podcast is essentially a meditation that I wrote um, and I'll go into it a little more in the podcast as we get further in about why I wrote it. Uh, but it's essentially a meditation that I wrote that anyone can do in order to help themselves find grounding in the here and now in the present, because in the present is where we find the divine in our life and blood and in our lived experiences. That's where we find divine connection. That's where we find spirit. That's where we find the juice that keeps the whole thing going. So without further ado, because I don't have any other updates because we're all still quarantined, episode 27, a meditation on here-ness. Let's talk about it. All right, so I imagine you listening are probably thinking, at least if you know me or have listened to any of my podcasts already in the past, you're probably thinking, yeah, meditation is totally up Eric's alley. It absolutely is. Um, but there are some particular reasons as to why I decided to write this meditation and why I decided to record it for you uh, today to um, give it out to you as a resource. So Part of this is because of the spiritual direction program that I just started. So I guess I lied when I said there isn't an update. There's actually a lot of cool stuff going on in my life right now. But one of the bigger, bigger, more exciting aspects of my life is that I recently started a program for spiritual direction certification. Uh, so I started that with the Shalem Institute about a week ago, uh, and I'm 
in the nascent stages, but essentially it's an 18-month program where I will be doing a ton of reading on the contemplative life. I'll be doing a lot of reading on how to be a spiritual director. I'll be doing peer groups. I'll be meeting with the spiritual director personally. I'll be leading others in spiritual direction myself. Um, I'll be going to retreats. I'll be doing silent um, silent retreats of my own periodically throughout. But another important aspect of this program is to be committing yourself to a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice daily um, as you work through the material, as you work through listening to the divine spirit, as you work through how you direct others, how you partner with others in this act of quote-unquote holy listening. So, for me, I was thinking through what are some spiritual practices that I've really enjoyed doing? What are some things that really are beneficial for me? And one of them is meditation. So I actually wrote this meditation first and foremost for me. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably something that will be helpful for me as I move forward, not only through the next 18 months, it'll probably change throughout that time, but um, you know, always, always coming back to this sense of being here in the present, I think is something that's going to be really helpful for me moving forward. And especially as I was saying in the intro, in this time of upheaval, in this time where we feel like we are becoming detached. Um, I was just having a conversation with some friends from school, from college this week, and they were talking about how they really started feeling like they were becoming detached from the real world. They really had, this feeling of disassociation with real life. Um, so this this meditation is aimed at helping people to remain attached to what's going on, remain connected to what's going on. Uh, the other piece of this, um, and the reason that I focused on being here, being present, here-ness, um, is based off of sort of what's been bumping around in my head over the past couple weeks, over the past couple years, over my entire lifetime, really. Um, so it's based off of what I've been listening to. It's been based off of what I'm reading. It's been based off of what I'm experiencing. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, this week in my course reading for this spiritual direction program, uh, there was a lot of talk about contemplation and what contemplation truly means. So in our um, in our world, in our society today, when people think of contemplation, they think of getting quiet. They think of um, just focusing heavily, heavy focus on one particular area or one particular subject, just thinking it over and over and over and continually turning it. And while that is a more modern rendition of what contemplation is, when Speaking of spiritual contemplation and talking about ancient contemplation that comes to us from people like the Desert Fathers and um, these mystics who came far before us, contemplation essentially is an experience with the divine, most notably an experience that happens in the here and the now. So they were talking about it as this gift of grace. They were talking about about it as if it's like this unveiling. Um, it's almost like the veil is pulled up and you can see more clearly, you can see more fully, you can see more wholly, you see brighter colors, you know, all this kind of stuff. So essentially the contemplative is someone who encounters the divine in the life and blood of their own life. One of the most important aspects of this reading was talking about how all of these divine contemplative interactions 
are all rooted in very real life blooded experience it's not someone who's just like completely gone aesthetic it's not someone who reads the bible more than anyone else it's not someone who prays more than anyone else it's just a singular moment in time in the presence of one's life that the divine encounters the contemplative if that makes sense Um, another way that's i think of um, this is through the help of Richard Rohr. So recently I've been working through his book, Universal Christ, for the second time. It's an amazing book. You should definitely go out and get it. Um, But Richard Rohr talks about this as through the vocabulary of a mystic. So Richard Rohr writes in the introduction, I'm just going to read you straight up the quote, the mystic sees things in their wholeness, their connection, their universal and divine frame instead of their particularity. And this is um, this is sort of the paradox that we find ourselves in. And I talked about this in the um, Ash Wednesday episode that I did. But, you know, this is the paradox of being an individual, but also a piece of something bigger. Um, you know, it's the paradox of being unimportant and not very important at all, Uh It's the paradox of we are vessels and bearers of divine light ourselves, but everything around us, everyone around us also bears that same divine light. So we're just a few special particles in a whole big organism. And the mystic is someone who sees that whole big organism and is able to see how the particularities fit into that whole. So that divine encounter, that sense of something bigger than yourselves, that encounter with that quote unquote whole, that mystic whole, which is a phrase that I'll be using as we move forward. um, The encounter with that mystic whole can be at any point in time, anywhere. It can be encountered in silence. It can be encountered in the hectic crying of children. Um, It can be encountered in the hectic and chaoticness that surrounds giving birth. I don't know how many stories I've heard of people who, when their child is born, they have this almost quote-unquote coming to Jesus moment where they realize, oh, freaking flippity flip, there's something way bigger going on here than just me, than just me and my wife than even just me, my wife, and my kid. There's something spiritual. There's something mystic, unexplainable going on. So it can be happening there. It can be happening in the midst of uh, honking during bumper-to-bumper commuting traffic. It can happen in a board meeting, in a family get-together, in grieving, in suffering, in ecstasy, in outstanding joy. It can happen essentially in the valleys and on the mountaintops and everywhere in between. So that's what I've been reading. Um, And it really clicked with me while going through this reading. And I mean, obviously, this is something that I've been thinking through a lot for more than just this past week. But this sense that being rooted in the present is important, because if we're not rooted in the present, then we miss those places where the divine shows up. One of my favorite quotes comes from the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, who is one of the most influential authors for me, especially when I was in college. But in this book that he wrote, there's this part where 
he's essentially saying, you know, you can't find God in the past because the past is already happened. It's unchangeable. It's immovable. Um, in addition, you also can't really find God in the future because the future is completely unknown. You have no idea what's going to happen five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Heck, you don't even know what's going to happen five minutes down the road. So it's completely ethereal. It's completely intangible. Whereas in the present is where the divine and the human come closest to touching because it's in those moments that things are actually tangible. It's in those moments where you are living and breathing. You're not living and breathing in the future. You're not living and breathing in the past. You are here now. So be here now. Um, to quote the the Ramdas book, um, even though I haven't read it, but to quote that title, be here now. Um, secondly, in addition to reading, like I said, this this is not necessarily something that I've just come across this week, but this is something that's been working on me for a really long time. Um, so this is something that I've lived through experientially as well. Um, it resonated with me because it's something that I have gone through myself. Um, so one of the things when I was reflecting on this was the fact that you know, I grew up in an institutional religion, and to give institutional religion credit, it does a really good job of introducing people to spirit. It does a really good job of introducing people to the sense of there's something more going on here. It's not just you. But with that in mind, in many cases, a lot of institutional religion leaves that introduction to spirit within a very narrow lens. So for instance, when I was growing up, the way that you came in contact with God was very narrowed. You came into contact with God by praying, by reading the Bible, by being quiet, by turning off screens, by going to youth group, um, by being at church, um, you know, those, those sorts of things. And essentially, it, for me growing up, it felt like in order to be close to God, you had to play this game of who can be more holy than anyone else, who can be more religiously aesthetic, who can appear like they're meditating more, who can appear like they're praying more. It very much felt like this numbers game, which of course, by the way, it totally is not a numbers game. Um, it's just not. So this feeling of, you know, it's all a numbers game, this feeling of there's only a few ways in which you can contact God or come into connection with God, that left me feeling really discontent. Um, you know, especially when I was a teenager, these types of practices of like sitting down and reading the Bible, it didn't really resonate with me. And it really didn't help me feel like I was encountering anything at all. I was just told to do these things. So I did them. Um, I remember one summer I read through the entire New Testament, and honestly, I could not tell you a single thing that I took away from that time that I spent reading the Bible. Nothing stuck with me. I was just doing it because I was told to do it. I was going through the motions, and it made me feel like I was holier than my friends. Um, and, you know, while these practices are wonderful and, you know, 
things like meditation, praying, reading the Bible, being quiet, disconnecting yourself from media. That's all very good things to do. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the only way that we're able to encounter the divine. And that's what this reading this week really awakened inside of me was this 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 piece of me that had that I've carried my entire life that says there's so much more than just this narrow lens of how to connect with spirit if you want to use the word god if you want to use the word the divine or the flow or whatever you want to put in there there's so much more than just praying or reading or being quiet because the divine is found in the life and blood of our experiences. The divine is found when we're grieving. The divine is found when we're frustrated. The divine is found when things at the house are just falling apart and Betty Sue is having her fifth temper tantrum of the day and Colin won't share his toys and your oldest son won't get off the computer and your dinner in the oven is burning and your husband's late from work or your wife is late coming home from work. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, God, the divine, the flow is also found in those moments. These practices are almost like tools that we use to help us train ourselves to be able to see that it's not the tool that connects us to God. In reality, God or the divine or the flow is always there. And these tools just help us to open our eyes a little more widely. Partnered with that experiencing um, and that lived experience that I carried with me and also with reading, I've also been listening to some stuff. I've been listening to Rob Bell's podcast and him and his wife had a really excellent, essentially two-part podcast about grounding oneself, especially in this time of upheaval. I think that's something that is well worth listening to. So go on over to Rob Bell's podcast and listen to those two episodes. They're the two latest ones, as far as I know, as I'm recording this on Sunday evening. Um, but they're just wonderful and go even further into what it means to be grounded in something, especially in this time of upheaval. Um, I've been you know, listening to the spirit as it's flowing through me, as it's flowing through all things, as I'm um, trying to figure out my way in the world, as I reflect on the podcast that I've already written, like The Practice of Presence, um, which is a podcast that I wrote last summer. Um, but, you know, that that sort of stuff of listening to your heart saying, yo, you need to be present in the here and now. Escapism isn't the way. All these, all these things, all these things I've been listening to, reading, intaking, digesting, um, experiencing and reflecting on have all led me to this point of wanting to write a meditation first off for me, um, but also hopefully something that is helpful for you as well, especially in a moment in time where our emotions are running wild, our lives seem to have been turned upside down. Um, 
you know, my hope is that this meditation that I wrote will help you remain rooted in the present and view the whole picture, the mystic whole, wherever you are at, whoever you are with, however your life looks. So without further ado, a meditation of hereness. So the way that we are going to do this meditation, I just have um, a few steps that I want to go through with you on. Um, and then as we go through the steps, I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer on it. But these are steps that I encourage you to do at your own pace, at your own time, at any point in the day. Um, if you want to stop and do it now, you can always pause the podcast as you're going through it. Take as much time as you need. Um, but I, I'm really hopeful that this is something that helps you to be connected with your life more securely. So I just want to frame what the meditation is going to look like beforehand. So we're going to start off with um, some deep breathing techniques. Um, we're going to move from there into being present in our own bodies. Um, from there, we're going to move into being present in our physical spaces. And then we are going to move into being present in our emotional spaces. And then from there, taking our reflections and our meditations on body and physical space and emotional space, we're simply going to witness to what is. And then afterwards, we'll close with some deep breathing. If you're, if you're comfortable or want to pray, you're absolutely invited to do that as well. So are you ready for a meditation of hereness? Step one, deep breathing. In through your nose, four seconds, out through your mouth for four seconds. This isn't necessarily a set time frame, whatever works for you. I encourage you to take a few moments to breathe deeply. The breath is crucial to the way our body reacts in the world. The quicker our breath, the quicker our heart rate, and the quicker our blood pumps. One of the difficult aspects of contemplation, especially in Western consumerist society, is that we move so quickly that the wholeness that the mystics talk about is almost like a blur. It's like trying to focus on the dotted line while driving down the highway. You focus on the one line, and then before you know it, it's gone, and the next dot is before you. It's almost impossible to focus on the whole picture if the whole picture is moving so quickly that it's just a massive, jumbled blur. Taking deep breaths helps our body to physically slow down and send the signals to our minds to slow down as well. As you take your deep breaths, feel your muscles begin to release the tension within them. Feel the nerves loosen, their hold on your mind. Feel yourself begin to relax and slow down. As we move into this next step, resume a normal breath in and out, being aware of your lungs 
in your stomach as it moves up and down, in and out. Step two, taking in what is around you. Another important aspect of seeing the mystic whole is actually seeing. Take this moment to look around you, taking mental note of not only what you see, but how it all fits into this physical space that you are in. You are viewing particular pieces, but also imagining the entire space. Take a few moments to meditate upon your physical space. Step three, emotional temperature. A crucial aspect of seeing the mystic whole is being able to know one's emotions and to feel one's emotions because they are a part of you and you are part of the whole. Take the next moment or two to take the emotional temperature of yourself and the physical space around you. Are you in a moment of chaos? Are you in a moment of joy, frustration, pain, love, stress, relaxation? What of the physical space around you? When you look at your surroundings, how does the physical space you are in feel? Meditate upon the emotional temperature of yourself and your space. Step four, witness. One of the final moments of this exercise is to witness to your body, to your physical space, and to the emotions floating through you and the air around you. The way we witness is a two-step process. The first step is to acknowledge that these things are true. If your muscles are tight, acknowledge it. If your space is peaceful, acknowledge it. If you're emotionally a wreck, acknowledge it. Take these next few moments to acknowledge what it is you have meditated upon. The second part of witnessing is to sit with what you are witnessing to. Do not try to solve what it is you're feeling. Do not try to mask your physical space. Do not try to hide from what your body is telling you. 
Sit with it. Give yourself permission to feel what you are feeling. Give your space permission to be the physical space that it is. Give yourself the permission to float and sit in this space where you are at. Right here. Right now. Step five. As we close this meditation out, I encourage you to end with a few moments of deep breathing. If you feel comfortable doing so, now is a good time for a prayer, either verbally said or silently. As you finish your meditation, I'll read these words. When we sit in the here and now, that is where the divine spirit gets in. It is found in the lifeblood of our experiences and emotions. The people you are surrounded by, the physical spaces you occupy, and your emotional and physical state are all ways in which the divine communicates this paradox to us of being special and also not very special at all. This wholeness of vision, this witnessing to what is, often provides new avenues for inspiration, creation, and continued action. But it all flows from this moment here and now. I encourage you to use this meditation anytime and anywhere. It's okay if it is something that you do in for 10 minutes a day, but it's also okay if it's some, just something that you use as a touchstone, a 30-second moment where you place yourself in the here and now, even in the midst of an important business meeting or a child's meltdown or in the midst of cooking dinner or in the midst of crippling fear and anxiety or in the midst of feeling disconnected. Wherever you are, May you find a sense of here-ness as we continue to explore this wild, messy, and infinite loving world together. Peace and love, y'all.